1: and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Roberts, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm
0: grateful for those who continue to
1: put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. Artist Sam Grinberg works for The Simpsons, a dream gig for anyone in animation. In addition to working on Homer Simpson, he also does his own art, which includes quite a few ska and punk references, like the absurd How to Skank at a Ska Show comic. He's also drawn quite a few flyers for punk and ska bands like Less Than Jake, Awful Waffle, Catbite, and others. Today, we sit down with Sam to discuss his connection to the ska scene and to see if we can search for any traces of ska in the simpsons how much did you watch
1: simpsons growing up
0: i think season 1 till um i don't know 11 or 12 every episode i taped it i rewatched it on vhs bring it to friends houses and watch episodes yeah it was like a major part of my life in those years
1: yeah and also i mean there's a weird through line with simpsons connected to music There's, they always have special musical guests. They get people to bands to show up on the show. I found it really interesting getting to actually speak to an artist who has feet in both worlds, who works on The Simpsons and is a fan of ska punk type music.
0: Now, it's my understanding that you um, started working with The Simpsons in 2015.
2: Uh yeah, I think that's right. I think I was actually an intern in 2014, but I think I originally like I got hired in 2015. So yeah, that 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 sounds about right.
0: Okay, so you've been a uh, freelance character designer as I understand is that that's correct?
2: Um I well not not back then. Um back then uh, I mean right now I just work there actually full-time. I was freelance character design for a little while before I you know hopped on as a full-time artist
0: can you explain what a character designer does
2: oh yeah for sure um uh basically um i mean ev- every animated show has it and for the most part it's it's uh similar but um in for me in particular on this show i uh, basically i should say that most shows have character designers and prop designers so if you're a character designer you're designing characters and props would be literally anything else. But in this show, on the show I'm working on now, um, usually it's it's characters, you know, which would be, you know, if the script says there's a new character or an old character in a different outfit. But I also do these kind of like character prop hybrids, which would be like, you know, a photograph of someone, you know, doing this or a magazine cover. So that's like the gray area that I also sometimes tackle as well.
0: So what are some of your characters that you've designed with Simpsons? Oh, man. I mean, there's so (laughs) many.
2: I mean, every day there's like, you can go from like, you're just doing so many different designs every day. I can't even think of it, honestly. There's, I mean, what comes to mind? Uh, I don't know. I mean, my favorite one, which is one that uh, was really fun to do, is from... 2019, I think, because it's right before the pandemic, and that's why I remember. But there was a Halloween episode, a Treehouse of Horror episode, and in the script, it was like Homer glitches and he becomes like a SpongeBob (laughs) hybrid. It was fun to draw like a SpongeBob Homer mashup.
1: (laughs) How much do you have to worry about like clearance on stuff like that?
2: Um, Well, it's not really. That's not really my you know job necessarily. Like, whatever the script says, I'll. I mean, they tell you like even if the script says draw let's for this example spongebob it's my i guess it is my job to change it as much as i possibly can for legal reasons but still make it apparent that it is what it is and sometimes right. i'll a note back in like a month being like hey like they didn't you know this is still too close so change it even more <laughs> um or sometimes <laughs> like oh it looks good enough and you know also it depends on the context like sometimes they'll say like you know if if it, within the writing, it's already satirical on their end, then you, you know, you can get away with it. But if there's yeah. context that needs to be, you know, fleshed out, then I have to go back and change it.
0: Mm, okay. So in that, in the instance of the, uh, SpongeBob Homer, mm-hmm. what, what, do, what do they give you to start with? Is it? just say Homer as SpongeBob go to town, or do they give you detailed notes?
2: For that one in particular, I think that would be straightforward. So basically that they would not give any notes, but like there are plenty of designs where there's like, in addition to whatever's written in the script, they will map out whatever they have in mind. Like if they can, it depends on who's written it too, but some are specific, like, you know, they want a character to like, give them freckles, glasses, you know, an overcoat, like they'll, they'll be specific like that. Or sometimes they'll leave it up to you. And then there's a director that would come in and, if the script doesn't have notes, the director has their thoughts as well. So there's a lot of people that um, you know help me with direction for that.
0: How much of it is creative on your part versus like you just fulfilling someone else's creativity?
2: Um, I I mean I would say it's like ninety percent creative on my part because even if they give you a ton of you know notes, it's still there's still like if they want a you know, a guy with a mustache and glasses, there's still so many ways you can draw a fun guy with glasses and a mustache, you know, like, it's really open, it's really up to you to, to fulfill that. And of course, it also depends on the director as well. Like, if the director has a specific vision already, then you'll follow that. But some want to see what you have to come up with what you can come up with. And then from there, maybe they'll tweak it or they'll like it as is. So it's, it's still fun. I mean, it's still um, completely creative and open.
0: I was reading uh, one, one that came up that you, you were attributed to was trippy Bart. What is, uh, what's <laughs> trippy Bart?
2: <laughs> uh, wait, I don't actually know what that is. Something that I was attributed to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like for the
0: show. Yeah. Yeah. Character you designed trippy Bart. I don't, that doesn't sound familiar. All honestly. Right. I don't know.
1: It looks like there's a Google search that says Trippie Bart was an original Sam Grin- Grinberg illustration. Really? Which looks might and I gotta then look this up. <laughs> which <laughs> looks mighty sweet. Let me see. It's, it's mighty sweet seventeen.
2: <laughs>
1: but then when I clicked through, I couldn't I couldn't actually find the image.
2: Oh, you know what I found? I saw oh, that's funny. I see something here. I know what you're talking about. I drew <laughs> I drew that just on a post-it, because um, I would fill my cubicle with post-its, and someone got that tattooed on them.
3: <laughs> mm, so what That's was what it? That's what
2: it is. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't for the show. It was just a random doodle. Yeah, I just drew this like bizarre-looking Bart with his hair spikes going on wild. Uh, it's funny. I, I see the article, but there's no image. I think I found it.
1: <laughs> How many people have Sam Grinberg tattoos? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, there have been a few that have, uh, let me, I mean, there's, I would say there's, uh, five that have gotten them based on just random wow. Simpsons doodles. And then there's a few which feel even nicer that are like my own artwork that people have got before, which is, you know, cool in its own right.
1: Any designs you could, you could, uh, remember that you could share with us? Like, what was the concept
2: Let me think. I I know that, uh, somebody got, I did uh for regarding the Simpsons, I did a, um, like a weird in my style ish, itchy and scratchy thing of like itchy bursting through scratchy stomach. And that was something that I drew for, it was right when I was, I think hired. So I just happened to be lucky at that point where they were working on Universal Studios, like putting decals on the Krusty burger wall and they wanted the artist to draw things in their own style like every artist on the show which was really cool because usually you ha- you know you have to draw in Matt Greening, the simpsons style so anyway that was cool so someone saw that and got that tattooed on <laughs> their arm or leg or something
1: how hard is it to turn off your own personal style and draw in the like preferred simpsons style
2: um, you know it's funny. It's not hard for me because before I was drawing the way I draw, I was drawing The Simpsons like as a kid, like that's what I originally was doing. Like I' have so many sketchbooks full of just like trying to draw The Simpsons, and I obviously I mean, who knows if I'll ever perfect it. It's really hard, but like i I yeah. definitely got better once I got on the show, but like. I was trying to draw them forever. I had like how to draw the Simpsons books and everything in like fifth grade. And so <laughs> so this style developed like later on when I was actively in college, like trying to, I realized like everything I draw now looks like the Simpsons. And I was like, I just, what, how do I draw? And then I just started to like read different comics and just come up with my own. I don't even know how it happened. It just morphed into its own thing. And then, so I can easily go back and forth. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a lot of um younger people like in art school uh at least right now mm-hmm. the way their style looks very just like anime. Like everyone draws that kind of anime style. Have you noticed that?
2: Yeah, but I feel like people were doing that even when I was like when I was a kid. I I was like the only one in school that didn't even watch Pokemon. I remember like everybody was into that into anime or whatever yeah I guess the anime, and um yeah I don't know I mean when I was in college, actually, I would say that from I could be wrong, but my memory is that most people weren't at that time, so maybe it fell into favor again, but there still were people drawing like that for sure um and I don't know, I just think it's it's so wildly popular, and for some reason it just never attracted me personally but yeah i i I can't say why I just think it's just something that kids gravitate towards
1: what would you say is the is the main uh Mistake people make when they're trying to draw The Simpsons.
2: (laughs) I mean, I may, I, I'm sure I make plenty all the time. There's, I mean, there's so many. It's like, (laughs) it's, it's hard to say. I mean, like, there's so many little rules that once you learn them, it's like, oh wow. Like, I mean, there's basic ones that like are even kind of fans know that I'll say, like Bart has nine spikes on his head, and I didn't really pay attention to that.
1: Oh yeah i never noticed that
2: yeah there's little things like that um lisa has eight i believe and um but then there's other things that like the m on homer's hair uh like also when things are animated they move around so everything in in regards to what i'm gonna say it's not always the case but there are certain things where like the point of the m is inside his head versus the outside of his head and like know he's a certain amount of eyeballs high you can measure him but so it's hard to say one mistake the the main family is incredibly difficult because they're they're iconic and like one small like pixel because we're working you know on a computer or whatever one small drawing off and they they look off but other side characters or especially new characters it's it's harder to tell you know Mm.
1: yeah definitely yeah and i i feel like I mean, they're such simple designs mm-hmm. that they're deceptively hard to draw.
2: For sure, no, hundred percent. Yeah, they're, they're, I totally agree with that, and that's something that I kind of learned the hard way. Because, like, I thought, like, wow, like I'm drawing him so well, and then I'm like around these amazing artists that have been there for like 30 years, and they're like, no, let me show you how to really draw Homer.
0: <laughs> so does that make it? Does it mean it's harder to draw like a character design if it's a like a Homer style? like a Homer in an outfit versus a, a whole new character?
2: Uh, I think um, it's if it's Homer in an outfit, no, because there's a stock model that we dress up. So that's like the Homer's already drawn. But if there is like, you know, a special design or let's say it's like, we want Homer on the cover of a magazine and it, I'm not just taking him out. Now I have to draw him from scratch. And that is hard because because a lot of these artists and especially the directors started as the animators, So they know uh three dimensionally how to turn Homer and make him run and walk. So they, they're seeing things that I never saw because I am only a character designer, so I'm not making them move. So like that's in, in particular, I have to really, really work hard to make him look on model because um, you know, they're gonna notice things right away that I might, you know, miss.
0: How did you get the job as an intern with The Simpsons? I I know I read one time that you like ran into or met Matt Groening at a um at a like a comic festival or something
2: yeah that that was completely unrelated though (laughs) (laughs) funny yeah that was in that was when i was still in college in brooklyn and that was just um in uh like the basement of a church at this really fun comic show i guess he he used to go to that every year when they did it but that was no that was just unrelated it was after college i went to um to ucla for grad school and um i made a no, no, that's not yeah, yeah. I was about to say I made a short film, but that's actually unrelated to the internship. I, I forgot one of the teachers there, he was a director on The Simpsons for a long time. I I mean, definitely over 10 years. I don't know if it was 20 years, but um he was an extremely nice guy. And when I found out he worked on the show, I was so excited, I just like begged him for an internship like every day. And after like five months, he gave me the information of the HR person at the Simpsons and um, I got the internship luckily. And um, yeah, that's how it started.
0: Season 27. That's when your IMDB credits begin. Uh Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, I think that's right.
0: Season 28. First episode. There's like a 60s style reggae song in a a scene. (laughs) It's a song called Heavy Steady. And then two episodes later, who makes a cameo, but the Mighty Mighty Boston's.
2: (laughs) I remember that. That was in a Boston episode.
0: <laughs> uh we we appreciate what you did for The Simpsons. Thank you very much.
2: <laughs> That's hilarious. No, honestly, like that was so funny because when I I was still a I was a yeah, yeah, I was a coordinator at the time, which is basically a step above a production assistant. And I remember reading that in a script and being like I wasn't an artist yet. And I was like, oh my God, I wish I could have designed them. That would have been so fun. I was so jealous that because I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong, but I, I think the person that designed them is doesn't even like know who they are. And I was, not that that matters I design <laughs> stuff all every day of people. I don't know who they are. But in that case, I was like, no, I should have done it. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was so funny that they appeared in that. And I I remember even reading online that they posted something like, Hey, we appeared in The Simpsons. Like that was a kind yeah. of situation where I guess like they don't need to be asked because they're not voiced. So it's the, that kind of legal thing where you can get away with it. If, I mean, I don't know, but that was so funny to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. So the, Matt uh, was on Portlandia, I think, in 2015. The uh, infamous uh, Bart Scamson, yes. Court case, yes, so yes. So obviously, you know, you're our inside man. does he like ska i
2: you know i don't i i actually i wondered that myself because i i know that he's i mean i really have not met him that many times um but like i and i've never talked to him about music or anything for sure not but like only comics briefly but like i i heard him on a podcast i think like a year ago or something and somebody asked him if he does no, you know what? I think they asked him, like, do you like the Aquabats specifically? And <laughs> yeah. he was like, yeah, I love them <laughs> or something like that. But uh, that's the only thing I remember. But, um, yeah, that's so fun. that sketch was so funny because, like, 100 people sent that to me. <laughs> like, that was made for you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, famously, um, Eric Stefani, uh, Gwen Stefani's brother and founder mm-hmm. of No Doubt, worked on The Simpsons from uh, season one through nine. Yeah um obviously before your time and uh he even he even drew no doubt uh into the background of the uh, homer palooza episode i actually didn't know that wow yeah yeah that was his handiwork oh <laughs> did you ever meet eric or have, has he come up in conversations at your work
2: yeah i've never met him but um yeah he's come up many times I mean, when people started to find out what kind of music i listened to so many people told me the story of him working there and um I don't know if you know, um, actually he would be great to interview, you should interview him, but a friend of mine, he's a character designer also on the show. He started, I believe literally season one, um, Eric Keys, um, is, um, is like, he was his best friend and he, um, or one of his friends, I should say. And he, he's shown me so many videos of like, cause he was, he grew up with no doubts. He has videos just like in their garage as kids filming them practice. And like, I don't know, just like, uh, hanging out and going to like snl and when they performed and ever anyway a little tangent but no i've never met him but like i've heard so many stories about just like back in the day when they were like kids on the simpsons
0: let's talk a little simpsons ska overlap uh aside from you <laughs> four ska bands that i'm aware of mm-hmm. have names that they've gotten from simpsons
2: mm, wait i think I, I. if
0: you know any like yeah Say them.
2: I was going to say I voted for Kodos. I've.
0: Uh, yep. There you go. I voted for Kodos.
2: Yeah. Uh, oh my god. Wait. On tip my tongue. Um, oh man. Uh, you say one, then maybe I'll say one after.
0: <laughs> There's a band called Wigum. Oh, I didn't know that one. No. Yeah. From Orange County.
2: Oh, is there one called um, uh, uh, Four Finger Discount? Is that a
1: band?
0: I'm not sure. I, Adam, are you familiar with that band? I. I I mean,
1: it sounds like that is a ska band name, but I'm
2: not familiar <laughs> with that I could be making that up completely, but I I think, um, I, think I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, the, those are the only two that come to mind then.
0: And then uh, Mr. Sparkle. <laughs> I didn't know that. From uh, Clifton, New Jersey. And then Stupid Flanders, also from Orange County.
2: <laughs> wow. That's, I should know the one about, uh, the one from New Jersey, because I'm from New Jersey. I'm surprised I never heard of that one. <laughs>
0: Not ska related, but have you ever seen O'Killy Do'Killy? Killy?
2: No, I haven't seen them, but I know about them. That they're like a metal band from another country, right?
0: No, no, they're from uh, Arizona.
2: <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Arizona? From Phoenix. Yeah. Oh. They
1: just all dress as, as Flanders.
2: That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they are they're metal, right? Or screamo or something? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've never seen them. Have either of you?
0: I did. I actually interviewed them for Playboy.
2: No way. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, there you go. Playboy. just wanted that Okili-Dokili article. So that's hilarious.
2: How were they live?
0: <laughs> they're great. Uh, I like. They're very. They're much like a very brutal like metal. Sure. You know, with like just blast beats and like slow. You know, and then fast. So it's you know not really my style, but when it's Flanders, I'm into it. And then, did you ask them if they like ska? <laughs> I did not ask them if they like ska. Um, but I, I should dig up the email and all the funny thing though, is that, uh, what I do remember is cause they're from Phoenix and the Phoenix music scene seems to be particularly tight knit. Like, you know, uh, the guys in AJJ are friends with the guys from, you know, Jimmy Eat World and who are friends with the guys from Bosses, who are friends with, you know, diners or whatever. And it seemed like they were all tied into that scene and knew all those people. And I thought that was funny to me that they were like. They like they may have seemed like a gimmick band, but they're just part of the scene and friends with all sure. the other normal bands.
2: <laughs> yeah, somehow, except the like they've they've elevated beyond gimmick band. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly.
2: Like that Max Sabbath band. <laughs> sure.
1: Everybody loves Max <laughs> Sabbath. It's so weird.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I also thought of one too as you were Please. talking. I want to ask you about. Do you? I remember because when you mentioned Flanders, I remember the they mentioned a Scott band in an episode where uh flanders opens that um theme park to mod and at the i i think that's the episode and at the end the christian singer he's dating is like oh and i could be butchering this but something like my bassist left oh he's in a ska band now
0: <laughs> my drummer left drummer one, drummer to join a pentecostal ska band
2: <laughs> yeah okay well there you go <laughs> i was close
0: <laughs> aaron with the deep cut dang yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a bass player. How dare you? No. <laughs> yeah, I found like I found an enamel pin that was it's of Homer and he's sipping on a duff mm-hmm. and he's got um, pork pie hat on and his collars are checkered and it just says "Scod for life." <laughs> I don't know who
2: made this. That's funny. Just like a bootleg pin.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like oh, I gotta, I need a Homer that's ska. Somebody <laughs> said.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure I've said that sentence in my life.
0: The weirdest thing I found online searching these the words ska and Simpsons is mm-hmm. I found is I found a business in Trinity, Florida called Ska Simpsons and Associates.
2: What in the world? And it's
0: just like a, a company that makes uh, factory gear parts.
2: Right, why would that so there's no real affiliation to either thing, obviously.
0: <laughs> yeah, I so the must be like a person named Simpson as the last name and then ska must stand for something else
2: wow how many wrong calls do you think they get
1: it's probably so sad actually working there and then people like get all excited thinking oh Scott simpsons <laughs> go
2: yeah, there
0: yeah it's just sad ass factory parts
2: the niche audience that gets excited yeah
0: yep so i saw you made a post in 2019 it's like it's like a two-tone dancing ska mm-hmm. guy but it's in your style and your caption says, Will I ever stop drawing ska related things?
2: <laughs> I remember that, yeah.
0: So let's let's have that be the theme of our next section. Sure. Ska things that you've drawn. <laughs> now, okay, off the top, let's let's list some and, and just hop in and comment uh as you wish. Okay. Sure. You did the the less than Jake's uh fat mics on drugs again. I did, yeah. What was that for? Was that just like, like a thumbnail for the, the album track release or what?
3: That was for, um,
2: they. I, I thought uh, originally it was going to be a, um, a uh, hard vinyl, but they printed like a flexi disc. So that was the art for the flexi disc that you could buy on their website. And I guess they used it for, yeah, just the, um, like the single artwork for Spotify and stuff like that.
0: Did you work with the band? Did they reach out to you for this? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, um, I worked not with no effects cause it was, it was just, but, um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I worked with them on that. And I think the direction was like, you know, we want to draw like a crazy drugged out fat Mike and just go nuts. It was pretty open. It was like, do that. I was like, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have you worked with the band, uh, in the past?
2: Um that was actually the first time with Lesson Jake, so that was really exciting. because I'm I was such a big fan since I was a kid. But before that I worked um with Roger and Rehasher, um, which is why that led to this. So I've done a few things for him for that. Um and this was the first one that was like officially Lesson Jake, so that was really fun.
0: What was the art you did for Roger?
2: That was um I did it for two uh I two uh let me think. Yeah, for two separate uh Rehasher, um vinyls, um and uh or wait, it was four songs. No, it's sorry, it's I'm trying to think. It's it's so funny how I said this before, but everything prior to the pandemic is like jumbled in my mind. Sure. But it's uh yeah, it was um three different pieces of artwork. Yes, I was gonna say four, but I believe it's three. Um two were together and then one was independent. Uh yeah, that's what it was. <laughs>
0: i see um you did the hella mega tour poster i'm lumping this in there because uh interrupters were the opening act on this tour yeah yeah
1: also fallout boy is a is a a simpsons reference and that's true and uh he's a scott fan so there you go yes
2: (laughs) yeah so it all comes together that was just for their um their social media actually i I thought they were gonna make a poster of it but i believe they ended up not doing that and they just posted it on like twitter and instagram and facebook and just because they asked another artist as well who just did some social social media art for them
0: was this with fallout boy or green day
2: um it was no actually it wasn't specifically through uh a band it was from the, the the uh like a booking agent or something oh, okay. like whatever company runs the the tour like i don't even know i don't know how that stuff actually works but i believe it's like a company that just works with uh the all three it wasn't the label it was like a some kind of company that worked with all three bands for the tour
0: oh gotcha okay okay so you did the 2 hectic comps mhm california Punk and uh, Punk goes international yeah so this is a Pay Attention Records which is Phil from Scott Punk Daily It's a subsidiary of Jump Up Records.
3: Mhm.
0: Okay, so talk explain this did uh, Phil reach out to you friends with Phil?
3: Yeah, he did.
2: I was just um I mean I've never met him but through Instagram again during, you know, uh the pandemic um he he reshared a comic I drew which was like a funny like how to a, a fake how to skank comic that i made for a comic anthology and um he saw that and just thought it was funny and then after a few months he messaged me and was like i'm working on this compilation and you know do you want to do the art for it and um i said yeah that sounds awesome and i think originally he wanted to do it he wanted it to be i think the pitch was like western themed or something because of the desert in california and i was like I mean, I was happy to do whatever he wanted, but I think I was, (laughs) I pitched like, um, oh, why don't I just, I mean, kind of simple, but like, I, I think that day or something I happened to be, um, looking at, uh, what was it? It was the, I was driving by that. Um, and this is also ska related, the, the circus liquor, which appears in clueless. Um, if you know what I'm talking about that giant neon clown, I was like, I'm going to make that the, you know, the ska guy. And I'm like, how about I just make reference if anyone will ever get that obscure reference just like circus liquor-esque giant ska guy in front of a club and a bunch of kids running in just thinking about that that, that uh that scene in clueless where they go see the boss and he's like okay so that's what that's where that came from
0: <laughs> yeah i'm looking at the image right now i just love that um that they're all like sort of these different styles but they're all just like they just look so happy and yet they they're also seemingly creating chaos (laughs)
2: yeah yeah Yeah, exactly that's i was trying to go for just as many different uh, people as possible
0: (laughs) yeah let's see uh the international one what was the thoughts on this one
2: i think the international one was like um i was going to come up with something completely different but he wanted them to be you know um connected in a way so i just took all the characters or most of them i think from the first one and just put them like <laughs> on a plane okay i yeah on a, or or bus you know either way no i think i imagined it like just you know they're traveling somewhere and inside you know i drew like uh, a checkered earth and like getting off the air it's like a little story in the on the discs um it's i think it was like uh the earth and then um, on the plane getting off the plane and uh the the table with like a bunch of drinks and tickets and headphones etc
0: let's see so uh you you've done uh work for holophonics kill lincoln save ferris
2: actually what's funny about the yeah the say i completely forgot about the save ferris thing because that was another interesting one because i didn't plan to do anything for them which is that was fun that i got the chance to do that because i was i was working with I did a poster for um, who was it? It was, it was for a band through live nation um, for a specific venue in um, California. And then after that, they were like, Hey, we're closing down house of blues in downtown Disney and opening it, you know, across the street into some big plaza. And um, I guess live Na I, I either they own them or they're affiliated with them. I don't remember at the moment, but um they, Either way, Live Nation was like, we need artwork for um, permanent artwork inside the House of Blues in Anaheim for um, the walls, because that's what they want to do. So I guess they asked a ton of different artists to design flyers for bands that have played at House of Blues on skate decks and put them all up on the walls. And ironically, the Save Ferris one didn't. (laughs) They never printed that one and it didn't make it on the wall, because I think the bands I was assigned was like them uh corn which i've never listened to but it's fun to draw something for that um thrice and one more that i can't remember but anyway so it's fine they printed all the ones except the one that i cared about the most i don't know why but it's not up
1: there you've never listened to corn at all
0: uh, no <laughs> i know i let you down it was one of adam's favorite bands <laughs> No, i really don't know if we're joking or not We're we're joking that's not true no. okay <laughs> so but but with holophonics and kill can and i assume you just you know, it was a more friendly kind of conversation with the bands themselves
2: oh for that yeah yeah that i that was when i when i moved to california after like a year i just really wanted to just draw some fun flyers and i i honestly think it was just from like i like never go on twitter but i think i was on twitter and saw One of the, uh, it was before I knew who either of those bands were, and they just posted something like, you know, the algorithm sent me some kind of ska-related thing that was like, uh, it it said like, you know, ska. I I believe I'm not messing up this story, but it was something like. Ska revival tour or something like that and I somehow found them through that and then reached out and was like hey I'll I'll draw some stuff for you and they were like yeah sure so it totally was friendly like you said and it just started from there
0: now um, you did a cartoon of Awful Waffle I think it was for the 2021 Ska Mom memorial show
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah that was fun
0: now you put you depicted I think 27 people <laughs>
2: Wow, that many i don't even that's crazy
0: is there any reason i mean i know that they've gone through some members is that how many people have been in the band or was it just kind of like you're just messing around
2: that was just for composition honestly i had no idea <laughs> i i just had to figure out how many people i could fit on a that would fit big on a shirt because it was for a shirt and um make it so everyone will be blocked. So I was literally was just figuring out how can I block people's feet the right way and make it so it'll just feel pleasant to the eyes.
0: <laughs> I just figured it was some kind of like, you know, the, the joke about how many people are in ska bands and stuff, like just kind of take funny. them to a little, a little further than normal.
2: <laughs> no, no. The only joke I inserted in there was on the top left, that dinosaur and squid, because that was the only shirt I remember them ever making. And the one I wore as a kid all the time, cause they they're like i grew up like right where they're from so like that's why i put them because they were fighting on the shirts i put them like they were beating each other up and now they're
0: friends (laughs) yeah that's awesome now awful waffle yeah that was an important band for you for sure like one of the first ska bands you've ever saw
2: um it has to be yeah i i i believe it i I can't say definitively is but it, it definitely has to be because my earliest memory would be at 15 and i i Like, I think it might be, yeah, like the Stone Pony in New Jersey or something.
0: Now, what was your experience with Ska uh, when you discovered Awful Waffle? Were you already a fan from stuff on the radio or or bigger bands?
2: I I don't think they were the first band I discovered. I think they were the first local band I ever interacted with. Because I think the first band or Ska band I ever heard was actually streetlight manifesto which is also from near where i'm from as well and i made i've never actually you know talked to people outside of new jersey to see if they're as big in other states as they were where i'm from but it seemed like you know even kids who you would expect to not know what sky is were was listening to streetlight you know in my high school mm-hmm. so yeah but with awful waffle i think that came about because they were opening for Streetlight or something at like a there's this venue called starland ballroom and they had like an outdoor festival or something and unless i'm again confusing festivals i believe awful awful played there so that's when i saw them for the first time but to be honest i didn't know that they were like a small local band at the time i because i was so unaware of everything i just assumed that they're like a huge band and they're coming to this town to play you know like maybe when you're young you think that about every band but uh, yeah but my experience with that was i remember just thinking it was so fun and uh that they were like kind of close to my age (laughs) seeing a band like because i i every other band was like there's there i just assumed they're like adults so that 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 was the you know kind of a different experience
0: do you have any memory of awful waffle from those early days
2: yeah, I mean, I remember, let me see. So I saw them at the Stone Pony. I saw them at Starland Ballroom twice. And then one other venue that I don't even remember where. But uh, my earliest memory of them was, I remember <laughs> I remember them covering a uh, semi-charm kind of life every time I saw them. <laughs> and I remember the first, I was so in the dark about everything. I think the first time I saw them, I thought that was their song. <laughs> <laughs> Did they do it Scott or is it just like a straight cover? It, I think it was in the in between. I would say I don't know if there were if they had horns for that cover, but
0: I think it was somewhere in the middle of both. <laughs> so do you remember the moment you heard the original on the radio? I don't know, but I remember finding out. And, and you're like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Like, wow, this band is covering Awful Waffle.
3: <laughs>
2: no, but uh, I do remember that that album, you know, this is another thing, because I saw that that album was on iTunes. I also assumed that they were, you know, they're just a massive band. I'm like, oh, and their their music is on iTunes. I didn't know that, you know, anyone can kind of put their music on iTunes. But um, I loved that, like, you know, album. I listened to that like crazy. That was like the only thing I listened to my junior year of high school which what's the name of the album Overstaying
0: Our Welcome I think and uh yeah how would you describe that album to somebody not familiar with awful waffle
2: it's funny cuz it it you know it has a lot of fun melodic tunes in there and like i i It's funny because you're asking me to describe to someone else, but uh, uh, music is also very like nostalgic and emotional for me in general. So when I think of that album, because I went through a breakup at that time, it's uh, it's very sad to me. Even though a lot of those songs are upbeat, but you know they are melancholy in a way, regardless of my own personal experience. But I feel like that maybe is not the first band I would you know give to someone if they are looking for some upbeat, happy Scott, Because there's something in there that's definitely like. you know, a little bit sad.
0: <laughs> you have a favorite song from that record?
2: Well, I listened to that song, uh, Cry on You like I uh, I don't know so many times. <laughs> All
0: right. Maybe that one. Cry on You by Awful Waffle. Give it a listen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you mentioned the how to skank comic. Let's uh let's let's get into the how to skank comic. <laughs> sure. I think it would be good if um, if it was read, so people can understand. You, would you like to read it, or would you like me to read it? Um, I, I'd have to find it. Let me see. Uh, let's see if I can pull it up. It's on. A, it's on this website called samgrinberg.com. <laughs> oh,
2: well, there you go. <laughs> yes, there we go. Okay, I'll read it.
0: <laughs> Please, yeah.
2: Okay. Oh well, maybe I'll give you the backstory first. There's a. Uh, there was this. Uh, comics anthology um by this woman shelly bond who put together she found me at uh, comic-con and just was pulling together various artists and making this book on just like a how-to instruction manual but i think most of them were (laughs) legitimate and i just didn't know what to do (laughs) so i came up with this so anyway this is how to skank at a ska show uh, try to convince your friend slash significant other that ska isn't dead, that it's just as popular as ever, and that it's going to be a super fun show. <laughs> and then there's a guy like <laughs> creepily staring into this woman's face. Uh, once you realize your friend slash significant other doesn't know what ska is and that you wasted your time trying to defend it, explain that ska is a genre of music.
0: Oh, thank you for the shout out, by the way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> um, now that your friend slash significant other knows that ska is sort of uh, what ska is sort of, explain that skanking isn't a derogatory <laughs> term. It's simply the style of dancing you perform at a ska show. Force your friend slash significant other <laughs> to listen to your keys me nice CD on the way to the show to get them in the mood. Once you arrive at the venue, try not to be too annoyed when you find out the band you came to see goes on in three hours at ten thirty. And there's a little uh um poster on the wall that says Star Band Ballroom, which is referencing Starland Ballroom where I a uh, venue near where I grew up, and soundcheck six o'clock, doors seven p.m. Exploding Sheep, nine p.m., acquiring <laughs> satellites, nine thirty p.m. Awful
0: Strudel. Awful strudel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah,
2: so obviously that's referencing that. The one in the middle is a band that I completely made up from my comics, and then which is a dated joke now because it's a a GPS would always acquire satellites in the car and it would never work before iPhones. And I just would say I hate these satellites so much that I decided to make it a fake band name and it means nothing now. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, and Exploding Sheep was, um, Explosive Sheep was this local ska band and also from my town that would open for Awful Waffle, which uh, I guess I could talk about later, whatever I remember from that. And um, okay, let's see. Scope out your surroundings and pay close attention to the energy of the crowd, avoiding overly drunk guys, ensuring you'll be able to skank in peace. (laughs) Decide to save your energy to skank for the headliner. After all, that is the band you came to see. When your band finally goes on, plow your way through the crowd to the skank pit, trying not to annoy too many people along the way. Text your friend slash significant other that you're sorry you lost them for the whole show since you got punched in the face by an annoyed fan when you shoved your way into the skank at the end. (laughs) (laughs) And three parody names in there, Real Big Squish, The Sword of Specials, and Less Than Fake,
0: sponsored by Mud Light. (laughs) Lovely. Thank you. (laughs) So Explosive Sheep.
2: Yeah, that is that one that you've heard of or sounds familiar? No. That was just it Was there was I can't remember his name, but they were Hold on, let me see if I could I the two shirts I wore like crazy, the bright blue awful waffle one and a bright green explosive sheep one. It was just a guy who was a huge Scott fan. I would run into him at like every Scott show and he had a band and um and obviously that's the perfect well, arguably the perfect ridiculous ska band name. And yeah, I believe he opened for them, unless I'm mistaken. Like at I think they used to have things or I think they still do, but they would have these shows like, you know, um giving mm-hmm. and these sort of ska themed shows at Starland Ballroom and Stone Pony and stuff. And and yeah, and basically so my memory is that uh, of them, this is my only memory, that uh <laughs> Explosive Sheep, a ska band, was opening for someone I was friends with his band in high school was stolen oregano <laughs> and they <laughs> he was like a punk band but with you know ska influence and they opened for a, a, a metal band called cannibalistic fruitcake and this was at a a venue where after the ska band left everybody went in and completely destroyed that venue I mean like they threw chairs and it was horrible and like Everybody got kicked out one and one, one after one, and then that venue shut down.
0: <laughs> god shouldn't have left i know i know <laughs> so uh do you remember any uh explosive sheep songs um let me see i
2: I remember buying their c d uh oh god uh, um I've, <laughs> I think one was called don't sing along or something. Actually, let me see. I might even, I think I have it on my computer. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. Speak of the devil.
0: (laughs) How was explosive sheep though?
2: I mean, I I remember liking them when I was, you know, in high school and they sounded pretty good. I mean, I remember even listening to that CD quite often and be like, yeah, they're, they're they're pretty good. I, I don't think that guy is playing music anymore. I mean, I've lost touch. I don't, I barely knew him then, but I don't think they're doing anything, but, but I'm, I do, after I posted this comic, someone who used to be in that band did reach out to me and they were like, wow, I can't believe you
0: remember that band. Like, yeah, I do. <laughs> okay. So you were born in New York and then you moved mm-hmm. to New Jersey in your second grade.
2: Uh yes that's that's right.
0: What what part of New Jersey?
2: Uh Manalapan, was Monmouth County.
0: What is that near?
2: Um it's like 20 minutes from the shore, like near Asbury Park, I guess I would say, 30, 20, 30 minutes.
0: So tell me a little bit about uh when getting into ska, were you into other music first or was ska like the first music you really gravitated towards?
2: Um yeah, you know I I I wasn't into music at all literally until like maybe seventh grade like pretty late actually um after se- maybe the end of seventh grades because i became friends with someone who he was really big into just music in general punk bands and rock bands and ska bands and um he played guitar and um yeah i before i even knew what ska was or listened to ska, yeah i i basically you know he introduced me to uh you know like Green Day and kind of like classic rock stuff I feel like every kid goes through that briefly like even they would like buy a greatest hits of you know ACDC and <laughs> The Clash and Led Zeppelin just like everything a little bit of everything um but but I obviously I gravitated more towards more like whatever pop punk bands if you will and then he showed me I think the first this isn't this isn't ska quite yet but i remember he showed me like a flogging molly song um seven deadly sins and i was really into that and then after that said, like, oh if you like that and then he showed me he gave me like a streetlight cd and that was the first you know Scott band i ever heard and that was i thought i'd never heard anything like that before and after that then it just you know it all exploded from there <laughs>
0: When did you start going to shows? Were you going to bigger shows first or did you just kind of get into the smaller shows?
2: Um, let me see. No, it was it was Warp Tour actually. Now that I think about it, it was I think I was 14, 13 or 14. Yeah, I was 13. Yeah, I went to Warp Tour at 13. I I wouldn't be able to tell you who I saw there, but uh I was going to that at, I think I went to that and I went to that the following year and then by 8th grade or yeah, because I think this is seventh grade. By eighth grade, yeah, I was I was started to go to smaller shows, and um, I don't even think I went to any big festival or anything beyond New Jersey. Just I mean, the biggest thing would be Warped Tour. Other than that, it was going to the Stone Pony or Starland Ballroom or or smaller venues like there's the Saint in Asbury Park or Asbury Lanes for some smaller shows. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's about it for high school at least
0: did you get involved with your local scene at all aside from going to shows
2: not at the time which is very funny because like i was drawing forever since you know before i even knew discovered music so it's funny that at the time it's, it's weird how when we grew up we're like i didn't think to combine the two till college or or it, because there were so many opportunities where i could have reached out not that i think you know i was that good then. Um, or like, you know, looking back even last year, I don't even, I'm looking like, oh my God. But, but anyway, <laughs> at the time, it's just, it's just funny that like, I I never thought to do that. Maybe I was shy or nervous, but I don't even remember the thought coming into my mind. I think I just, at that point, like was like, oh, now I'm interested. I was just like goofing off and running around and like, I just didn't think about it. I mean, the most I would try to get involved would be like <laughs> i was trying i was about to say uh i mean i never did this but like being interested in like oh there's such a thing as a street
0: team that sounds fun <laughs> <laughs> any other uh any other shows or bands you remember seeing at this time we, while you were still in New Jersey?
2: Yeah, another band just popped into my head right now that who knows what happened to them. There was a girl in my school who said her brother was in a band and and a ska band, because she knew i listened to ska. I don't remember her name, her locker was next to mine, but his band played at, I believe, this same um what was it called? a uh, um Summer Camp Out, Starland Summer Camp Out, which was like uh Lesson Jake, Real Big Fish, blah blah blah. But he had this band called um the nerd who ate St. Louis they were like another local Scott <laughs> band. And they had this song called <laughs> I think it was called like my anus is on fire or something like that. <laughs> Some kind of ridiculous song. Um, yeah. So there's that. Um, let me think who else did I see? I really thought that might be it for, uh, the, the strange ones. Oh, I, I might've seen actually, um, fatter than Albert once.
0: Oh nice. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, it just popped into my head too. That's right.
0: Do you remember anything from that show?
2: Uh, I don't. I think it was in a strange, scary middle of the woods kind of ve- it wasn't like a real venue. It was like used for like an event space or something. That's the only thing I can remember.
0: Okay. Uh any other like touring bands, maybe bigger bands that you remember seeing?
2: Oh, uh yeah, definitely. I mean, I saw the Aquavats plenty of times. I've seen big d i used to see bomb the music industry like crazy i mean i guess do you consider them bigger maybe they could still be in kind of the smallish category at the time because i've seen them yeah. plenty of times in jersey um like i guess yeah like asbury lanes is a tiny venue Um, uh, they were fun to see there um they played uh that was at the time where i think they were like against having merchandise or so like i really wanted a shirt with them on it. Cause they were my favorite band for a little while, but I believe there was a period where they wouldn't sell merchandise. Like all their stuff was online for free. And, uh, so you had to like, they had like make your own shirt. You could like spray paint their logo on a white t-shirt if you brought one, which I didn't. So I wasn't able to, but <laughs> yeah, that's one. Um, who else? Let me, I mean, I saw no effects bunch of times. I saw mustard Plug. I saw the boss stones there. Then this, I think this is all at that same venue where the only venue in town where they would it would either be the stone pony or starline ballroom, but yeah, less than Jake. I think I saw the planet smashers Goldfinger. Uh I think that's
0: it. <laughs> so when did you start uh, doing art?
2: Oh, I, I don't know. I it literally, as long as I can remember, I, I can't, uh, I can't even pinpoint. I mean it would have to be I I mean I can tell you the first comic I put together was second grade. Like I staple, I would fold them and make comics and staple them and I have like hundreds of those. But um I know I was drawing prior to that, excuse me. Um but uh yeah, I I mean it'd have to be since I was like seven or something or younger. I, I just I never remember a time where I wasn't <laughs> drawing, essentially.
1: Did it drive you crazy at that age like <laughs> trying to staple the pages and them not being like a like a comic <laughs> book like because you have to use like a zine stapler a regular stapler isn't long enough
2: yeah yeah yeah. well uh it was no because if you fold the paper in half and like it i mean as a kid it was like i was i it was so sloppy it didn't bother me i didn't care
1: <laughs> oh it drove me crazy as a kid like because really? i would try doing the same <laughs> thing at that age And like not being able to put the staples on the seam, like having to put them like on the like edge,
2: sure drove
1: drove me out of my mind. Up until (laughs) up until I got a zine stapler.
2: No, for sure. I mean, I think that's something that bothered me later on. Once I started like taking it seriously, but like when I was that, it was just like
1: yeah, you didn't give a you didn't give a shit. You're just like yeah, go for it.
2: No. It was just like even scotch tape at, at some point. But it's funny, this is just a tangent now, that now that you mentioned, you know, how long have I been drawing? And before when you asked, when did I start listening? Or when I was asked, when did I start listening to music? I just thought of, you know, my first thing was going to say, I was going to talk about cartoons. And I realized that before I, like I said, I didn't listen to any music till essentially seventh grade. But a lot of the music that I <laughs> did listen to as a kid was just from watching cartoons. And it's so funny that the song that I would, I would, I had line and I would just download cartoon songs and put them on. Like, even though CD players were around then I still had like a little cassette tape and I would like burn it onto a cassette tape. And I would listen to the Kablam theme song like over and over again, which is really funny. Cause it was like way before I even knew what Scott was. And obviously the toasters did that, that
1: song. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Scott from the beginning.
2: I know. Yeah, it all starts there. I mean, and honestly, a lot of 90s cartoons had kind of a Ska influence anyway in their theme songs. Like Angry Beavers, if you remember that theme song, was totally Ska.
0: The one you were talking about, the first comic you made, Was this your first instance of making something and getting it out to other people? Or were you pretty open with showing everybody your art?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, at that time it would just be shown to my parents. Like it's, you know, in second grade, like, look at this. It wasn't until fifth grade that I actually started bringing them around into class and like making a, like we, <laughs> I would recruit other friends in class, like, like, oh, come up with characters with me and let's make a magazine and staple it and give it out to everyone in class. And we did that until the teacher got fed up with it and was like, okay, no more comics in class and then everyone <laughs> got really depressed
0: <laughs> tell us some of the stories that you uh, drew back then
2: um basically it's funny ironically even though i'm not a superhero person at all like i never read superhero comics the comics that i drew in a goofy cartoony style were all superhero comics um but they you know they kind of looked like spongebob-esque um and mm-hmm. until then in fifth grade i all these other friends that i were you know asked to create these characters with we would just draw these like strange kind of like goofy like you know loser superheroes not you know made you know animals or whatever they would be but we would make like a mad magazine type magazine and just make these like you know for fifth grade at least satirical little comics and like you know uh irreverent sort of (laughs) stories of just like people beating each other out, you know, just, just little stupid kid stuff. Nothing, nothing, (laughs) nothing that I would look back on and be like, wow, I
0: should uh, revamp that now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you, you go to college, where do you go to college at?
2: Um, I went to a school of visual arts in Manhattan.
0: Now it's in college that you start to think about collaborating with musicians or working with bands and stuff. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's so, it's funny. Like I said, in high school, I kind of, it's because, you know, drawing was my whole life till high school. And then when I discovered music, I just spent all my time going to shows and I kind of stopped drawing for a while. And I it's funny, like I said before, I didn't think to combine the two. And then in college, I, once I started to, you know, revisit my art because it was kind of like on (laughs) hiatus because I was just going to so many shows and everything and I was going to art school so I stepped back into it um I I that's not the first thing I did the first thing was just you know learning because my major was cartooning so it actually was comics so the first thing was I focused just on learning comics but then I had a, a really influential teacher for me actually was um gary panter i don't know if, if you guys know who he is he um he designed all the Pee Wee's playhouse characters and he also um oh yeah yeah he also he's like uh you know i think he, he probably wouldn't call himself that and i think he's even said that in class and he was like you know i'm not like a punk cartoonist but like the world has you know deemed him a punk cartoonist because he's like you know he did the screamers logo and he was like big in he was big into doing artwork for tons of bands in the 80s and he was the one i remember sitting there and being like he was just like do art for bands like do this now i mean at the time i think he made a comment like print print media is going to go away soon and do as many band flyers as you can just now is the time to do it it's so he was just he really talked about it like it was such a fun thing to do and like the second he said that just clicked like why why, of course, why would I, that's, I would love to do that in my head. It's like, I can't believe it took him saying that for me to realize it's something I would have always wanted to do. And after that, I just started, I, you know, I don't think it actually happened until if this is 2010 till 2013, either I didn't reach out to anyone or I, I didn't hear, I can't remember what happened in the time period, but yeah, but basically that experience is what really pushed me to, um, to go for it.
0: So what happened in 2013, did you reach out to any s- specific band? Can you remember the first collaboration you did?
2: Um, let me think. Uh yeah, in 2013 I moved to California and I think being that I think it was what I talked about before, the first it's it the first time I st- Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. I remember now what happened. It it wasn't for a band at first. It was I I moved to California. I came across this it's a Ska Day at Disney land um that somebody put together it was like a bunch of ska fans would join together and go to disney for the day and they needed artwork yeah Or, or i reached out to them whether they maybe they didn't need it but i asked them if if i could do some artwork for them and they were totally into it and um i did artwork for them and they made like buttons and stuff and that was really fun and i think that led to that's right that led to me seeing online i can't remember who but it was like a few bands putting together this ska revival tour. Um, and I just reached out and was like, oh, I would really like to do some artwork for it. it sounds really fun. And um, that's how it started.
0: Did you go to the, it's a ska world after all event?
2: <laughs> well, it was really funny because like I didn't know anyone in California yet. Like I was kind of brand new here. So I also wanted to meet people. And what's really funny is like it it's a very calm group actually you know it's it's a bunch of people who just want to walk around have fun and talk about ska but (laughs) my main my main memory of the event is getting thrown out because i remember there was a point towards the end where everybody gathered together um on main street and it was the point in the evening i think what they did was like you can split up or you can walk with a group and um at the end they have like a raffle where they're going to throw out some, you know, shirts or whatever to people or I think they had a few CDs and immediately mm-hmm. when when security saw a group of people, quote unquote, dressed in this way, <laughs> like gathering there, they they just ran up and they broke it up and and they just said you all have to leave cuz I think they thought that that things were being sold. There were just so many things against the Disney rule <laughs> that uh yeah, they they kicked everyone out.
0: How were you dressed?
2: I mean, I was dressed you know, just in a t-shirt, but I mean, them seeing some people with mohawks and piercings I think it just freaked, <laughs> freaked out the uh, <laughs> cast members.
0: All right. How many people uh, were part of this? Uh, it's a ska world collective that you were hanging out with.
2: It was a pretty big group, actually. I think it was, it was almost, I mean, I, I remember being over 20 people, so it was pretty big.
0: Nice. Are you still friends with them?
2: Uh, I haven't spoken to them in a long time now, but uh, the two organizers, but um, I'm friends with them on Facebook.
0: So, okay. I want to talk a little bit about your art. Um, I'm interested in Scum Burbia in particular. Oh, sure. But in general, you talked about drawing in the style of Simpsons for a long time and then realizing Mm -hmm. you needed to develop your own style. How did you develop your own style or what, what? I'm not, I'm not an artist. I don't really know how it works. I'm just saying like, what were the ways you found your own voice? I, sh- I guess I'm asking.
2: Yeah, sure, sure. No, I mean, um, I, well, when I went to art school, they would always say, you know, I assumed I did have my own style, but that, you know, prior to college, but I kind of just drew looking at it now, which makes sense. It, it just looks like weird, you know, combination of whatever the Simpsons and any other cartoons I watched at the time. It. And when I got to college, the first thing they said was like, you know, you go to art school, we're not interested in you developing a style here, you can do that on your own, we want to teach you how to draw. And like, that, that uh, makes sense to me now, because like, they didn't want you to use style to cover up, you know, mistakes or poor drawing. And That's basically what, you know, what I did. I, I refused, like, I don't need to learn life drawing. I, I, I'm just going to draw cartoons. But of course, what I didn't know was that the better you draw, the better your cartoons look. (laughs) And I kind of learned that the hard way. And then finally, by the end of college, it was, you know, in the middle of college, I had a class where a teacher was, I turned in an assignment, a teacher was like, You know this this joke is good, but you know the way this looks. You know every teacher is different. Some are not interested in style. Some want you to develop a style. So it's good that you're getting you know information from all different um, perspectives. And this one teacher was like, you know, this is a fun drawing. He's like, but we've seen this before. You know, this is The Simpsons. Like, what? What? How do you? How do you draw? And you know, I I don't think I could have answered that at the time. And I think just by being exposed to so many different cartoonists like because prior to that you could say I was sheltered like I liked the Simpsons I liked whatever Nickelodeon I read a few comics but there's just like a world of underground alternative and, you know independent comics I just was unfamiliar with so anyway uh, being e- exposed to all these different artists just by I don't know osmosis or reading them. I mean, there are assignments you had to. You, I did take classes where you had to ink with different tools. I mean, everything coming together. I just I don't know. Just I, and when I look at past sketchbooks, it's it's literally an evolution of just this is just how I draw now. I mean, I could try to look and pinpoint, and people have even said to me like, oh. Are you influenced by blank? And usually the answer is always yes, but it's like a hundred different influences that merge together to, you know, create this. I guess.
1: (laughs) Were there any uh, artistic hurdles you had to overcome, like uh, blind spots as far as like subject matter or uh, things that you originally looked at, maybe looked down on, and then later uh, accepted as art styles? Like, are there are there things that like. You like you were talking about uh, using your style to like hide uh, hide things, um, and I feel like a lot of artists do that. A lot of musicians do that. Were there things that you had to break?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, I, I I did that though because, to be completely honest, you know, I don't think that at the time, and maybe you don't think that at the time, but it's 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 kind of laziness. It's because I don't, I didn't want to take the time to really sit and learn how to really. And again, I'm now I'm I, I'm I'm never going to be done. I'm learning every day. I'm I'm trying to get better yeah. every day. I mean, like I said, things I look at last year, I'm like, oh my god. So it's like, yeah, I I just was like, oh, when I had that attitude, when I was like, whatever, seventeen or like even throughout co- till the towards the end of college when I change, it's just like, I don't know. You just assume uh, you use it as a crutch. It's like I'm I'm drawing funky cartoons, so I don't need to learn how to really draw but yeah it's like once you do learn these things it just makes everything so much stronger and it's kind of over everything not technically it's it's personality you know because the more you are open and accepting to just growing in criticism the better your art will be or just you'll be in general in life so like it'll just make everything better and like not being married to anything you do is the best way to look at everything because if if you draw something, and or at least for me, if I drew something back then and I could see something is off, I would just move on. But now it's like, no, I really should erase it and draw it the way it should be. But it was just, I was like, no, I, I want to move on. I don't want to redraw that leg. But like, why not redraw it? It's going to look better.
1: But yeah, I so many times do a whole thing and then go, oh, this should actually and it's horrible when, you know if you, especially if you get used to working on a computer and then you're working in just traditional medium uh ink and paper yeah, yeah. draw the whole thing on a piece of ink and paper and then realize oh wait no it should be like this and then it's like okay time to start start over again <laughs> and eat that eat that time that you just uh spent on it
2: 100% and then sometimes you you forget that you can't do commands Undo or you know, command D on paper. I
1: can't command Z this.
2: Yeah, command Z. Yeah.
1: <laughs> How are you at drawing hands? <laughs>
2: Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the absolute hardest thing to draw for me.
1: Why is it so hard?
2: I don't because they're so strange looking and there's so many bones and to make poses look right, it's just so difficult. I mean, yeah. my biggest thing growing up was I'd always put the thumb on the wrong side of the hand. And I still, to this day, sometimes do that. I mean, uh, it's just so difficult. It's just really hard.
1: (laughs) If you're trying to hide hands, Uh everybody's done it. What do you do?
2: (laughs) You know, I don't do things like that anymore, so it's hard for me to answer. But in the past, I I don't know, because now I really try to. In fact, this job has taught me that I can't hide anything anymore. So in my own art, it's made me a lot better because I would, you know, write comics that avoided cars I would do things that have but it's like now I'm just going for it cuz it's like I I want I don't want to not do things because I'm afraid to do it you know
1: <laughs> Yeah yeah drawing cars is another one
2: But to answer your question just make a character who had his hands cut off
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Who's got his hands in his pocket how about
0: that one Yeah
1: Oh I've done that for sure I've never done the hands cut off unless it's like a monster and then it's like oh yeah the hands are cut off.
2: Edward pocket hands <laughs>
1: He wants he wants to give her a hug at the end of a movie, but he can't because his hands are in his (laughs) face. Yeah, exactly.
0: So with like Scumverbia and like some of your other stuff, life lessons, it feels like a lot a lot of your influence comes from sort of the punk and, and subcultures, but also kind of a silliness, too. Can you eliminate on that a little bit?
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, like I said, like it's funny because I I the merging of the two of, you know of of music and ska and art didn't click in for me until you know college and I think that is because so prior to that I was just drawing goofy weird creatures and like which I still like to draw but these weren't you know the, I like I said I was drawing like superhero and, and again there's nothing against that and I even still like the idea of doing a, a kids kind of superhero thing but then when you when I got to college I'm introduced to like so many different types of storytelling memoirs and you know, um, you know, like people's diary comics and just things that really opened my mind. Like I, it was so appealing to me to make a bunch of characters and stories. Like I just had so many, that period in my life in high school where I kind of stopped drawing for a little and just spent time, whatever, goofing off and going to concerts and hanging out with friends and everything. I just looking back on it, I just was like, wow, like I would be I just really want to tell some fun, goofy stories about, (laughs) you know, influenced by my time growing up in New Jersey and, and not that any of them are true stories. Um, but they're definitely based on like things that either happened to me or happened to friends or just stories I heard or local legends, you know, just that kind of, you know, suburban legends, dare I say, but, uh, (laughs) yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah. yeah anyway, so yeah that that's really where the influence comes from, and it's like before I can mo- move on to whatever I want to do after this, I want to like get all these stories out. It's almost like like it, it kind of it, even though like I said it's not literally um true stories, but it's almost like I need to let all this out like a diary into these comics into this you know scumberbia series before
0: I just move on to whatever else I want to do so why Scumburbia? What's the what's the tone you're painting of this world?
2: Well, I kind of I kind of uh, have two different stories going on in the in this series. Even though there's going to be a lot of different stories, but I have stories with like young two younger kids who are like in seventh grade and then high schoolers. And I because I I kind of in my interests in general have always been attracted to you know goofy kids storytelling, and then I love you know, really dark, serious um, coming-of-age films and tales. I wanted to just make a comic where I could have, okay, half of the story will be kind of a fun, goofy, whatever, like local adventure with these seventh graders. And then I'll also tell more darker stories, darker quote-unquote with um, high schoolers. And I just, that originally came from just remembering you know, how I felt during that time that I was kind of running around (laughs) and being happy-go-lucky in seventh and eighth grade. And then, you know, high school sets in and then you start getting into, you know, relationships and fights and meeting so many different types of people and you get bullied and it's life is hard and life is okay. And you meet certain people and you lose friends and you make friends. And I just wanted to tell, you know, these different stories about that. And the 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 title just came from I think I was in college and um I was just trying to come up with some kind of name. Originally I was coming up with specific titles that would reference New Jersey. And I was like, no, I don't want to set this in New Jersey because not that anyone would, you know, not relate to it because we've all been teenagers. Um, but I was like, why don't I just come up with some generic name that will, you know, uh kind of speak to whatever the, the comic is about. And um and what's funny is the people that have picked it up have always been like, Oh you you must have grown up here. You based this on my town. I was like, well actually I'm from New Jersey. They'll be from like, you know, Maine or something. I'm like, well, okay, well I guess it is the same all over. But yeah, so yeah, that, that that's really where I came up with the title. Just because it was like there are so many people who at the time <laughs> I felt like were scum to me that I was surrounded by that. Like, well scum in suburbia i'll just I'll just
0: combine the two <laughs> yeah, I like the life lessons i don't know if that was just a short, but you you have it as a short, like video
2: yeah oh thanks, yeah, that was just a short yeah
0: it's like uh f- punk's kind of like punk's f- philosophizing a little bit
2: <laughs> yeah yeah that was it's funny there's a short um uh, by Ardman who did Wallace and Gromit called Creature Comforts which I loved I saw in art school it's just like all the the subcultures of which I didn't know at the time because some my friend my friend's boyfriend who's from London told me that that was parroting all the different types of people from the different towns in London I, I would have never known the difference between the accents and that they would be like oh that that's parroting this type of person but anyway I saw after seeing that I was just thinking like man like I want to combine that with my comic and just make a little short like uh you know what what would like you said what would punk people be think they're deep in high school what would they come up with and <laughs> some of those things that people said in that were thing exact things people said that I remember them saying in high school so
0: <laughs> like what what what's one that you can remember that was a, Well, the
2: lowering the volume one was definitely one that <laughs> someone said to me. And What did
0: they say for people who haven't seen the short?
2: Oh, sorry. Yeah, it was, uh, if you want to drive someone crazy, always lower the volume when a song they like comes on. <laughs> 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 yeah, there, there was another short, too. That I, I. That that one I did for a company called Bento Box, but I did another short for um, Giphy. And that one is, um, I asked Catbite to do the score to that one, which was fun
0: what was the name of it?
2: This was um, it was called Hangout Today with the the number two. And that was um, Giphy is, uh, you know, people mainly know them for <laughs> the gifts on Instagram that you can share on your story. But I think they're trying to start a new thing uh, where they are going to have 30 second shorts similar to like, I don't think they have like a presence on TikTok or anything yet. I could be wrong, but I think what they're trying to do is try to expand it to a little more long form. But by that, I mean, 30 second clips, but anyway, they, um, yeah, they, they, I got in touch with them and they said I could make a little short and, uh, this is their first foray into using music with gifts. So, an audio and uh because lip sync is really long and hard to do which i did in that life lesson short but that was after this i was like i'm just gonna do a silent short so i just storyboarded this quick thing of these three dog punk people hanging out again in suburbia running around and i (laughs) needed a ska song ska punk song for it so i uh asked catbite to do that and they were cool enough to you know make up a really cool song nice did you
0: did you already know the band or did you uh...
2: I did yeah um, because I, I they reached out to me for their first show back um, from COVID um, in Philly at I think it was at the Phil Mocha um, yeah wasn't that live streamed with you right yes
1: you did the the poster for that it was with a froggy
2: yes yes yeah did like
1: a character in a bathtub
2: <laughs> yeah yeah um so after they asked me to do that then i i guess a year went by or and i was like then i asked them to do something for me and they, like i said they were really cool enough to come up with something and i think my <laughs> direction to them was i wanted it to sound like a saturday morning cartoon but like a re- like again influenced by the s- songs that i listened to as a kid like the nickelodeon songs or kablam or any of that stuff and they just like got it perfectly
0: having been in a music scene as an audience and a participant and having been in the art scene as an artist do you feel like there's similarities or differences to these scenes
2: um hmm, that's an interesting question i mean like similarity in terms of the community and everybody loves supporting each other especially now you know being that i know a few of these guys like catbite and kill lincoln and everyone's so friendly and they want to support each other as artists in that regard definitely because like for me I love being part of anthologies and being friends with other cartoonists. And it's the same way that I I bet a bunch of bands would like to be on compilations with one, you know, with each other because they're just supporting each other and we all love the same stuff anyway. So yeah, the similarity in that regard, definitely. And also it's fun when you meet artists that are also interested in the same type of music that you are, and then you build relationships based on uh, like The few artists I know that also listen to Ska, uh, cartoonists, it's always fun when I run into people here that are like, oh, wow, you're a cartoonist and you like Ska. That's awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah, name some artists, whether or not people know them or not, just name some artists that you know of that are Ska fans.
2: Well, the first person I met out here, Tom Foolery, I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, He did a Real Big Fish album cover. um, It's Blum Blanking, which cover he did right now. It's with the bunnies or holding liquor bottles i think it's uh let me see i gotta look this up quickly (laughs) anyway i met him out here and he's really cool. yeah yeah bunny it's called candy coated fury um i met him i haven't spoken to him in a while but he's really cool he's been in an art show of mine um oh man see it's so few and far between (laughs) uh Um, I, I don't know this person personally, but I just, I found him through Instagram and, um, he, I think he follows me now too, but anyway, I think he co-created, um, Craig of the Creek on Nickelodeon. I think he got, um, Jeff, yeah, Jeff Rosenstock to do the score. So that's another one that I was like, Oh, there is someone else.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then of course Josh, we were talking about Josh before that we started recording. Oh,
2: of course, yeah, definitely, yeah. He's yeah, that was that was so funny when I found out because I met the guys from Silver Sprocket before I knew Josh, and then when he started working there, or or maybe he was working there and I didn't meet him yet. But yeah, then when I I met him, and it was so funny that he also was like we we talked about doing like a ska comic zine together that we're kind of working on on and off now. It's been a while, but we have to revisit that
0: anyone listening this is josh from sad snack
2: Mm -hmm. yes yeah
0: they're great so scott comic coming soon (laughs) coming soon in the next 10 years
1: (laughs) (laughs) don't go anywhere if you want to hear the rest of this conversation head over to our patreon Thank you for listening to Indefensive Ska. Please rate and review this podcast and tell a friend. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Indefensive Ska. Pick up Aaron's book, Indefensive Ska, at your local bookstore or online. This podcast is edited by Chris Reeves of Ska Punk International. This is your co-host Adam Davis of OmniGon, leaving you by saying ska now more than ever.